ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Tuesday, May 23rd. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're going to get your text in this hour, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk to Michael Swan, Marshall's women's soccer coach. Yesterday, we spoke with Chris Grassi about the recently released schedule for the men. Uh, The women's schedule came out as well, so we'll talk to Coach Swan about that. But before that, we'll get your text in, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. And, of course, you can hit me on social media. On Twitter, it's at Paul Swan. And, of course, my social media blew up yesterday. If you weren't with us yesterday, let me recap what we were talking about. So ESPN comes out with – college football's top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. And Pat White, number 27, quarterback for West Virginia, amazing career. Geno Smith from West Virginia came up number 70, also fantastic career. Byron Lefwich, which I thought was very fair to have him on this list, quarterback from Marshall, Came in at 44. So Pat White was ranked above Geno Smith and Byron Leftwich. Leftwich is like in the middle. And so I thought it'd be fun just to ask you if you could just pick one of these guys, you need you need to put the quarterback in to win you the game. The quarterback's got to go in. Who are you sending in? Are you sending in Pat White? Are you sending in Byron Leftwich? Are you sending in Geno Smith? Who are you sending in? And let me tell you. We got a lot of responses. The poll's still going on. We've got a few minutes to vote on it. You can go in as well and vote. And you might boost it up a little bit for Geno Smith. You might boost it up a little bit for Byron Leftwich here. But Pat White, with at this moment, 53% of the vote, and we are at 873 votes. And we've got about 50 minutes left on this poll. So we'll get the final results as we go off the air. But I don't think it's changing much. Pat White leads with 53%. Geno Smith has popped up to 10%. And so Byron Leftwich has gone to 37%. And I'm going to tell you right now, Mountaineer fans came out and showed out. WVU fans came out and hit this poll question heavy. Marshall fans, Byron's at 37%, which is respectable, but 53% for Pat White. And I'm sure... If I'm being honest here, the, the people who voted for Pat White, if it was just Geno and Byron, I have a feeling that they would have voted for Geno as well. So the two WVU quarterbacks are leading collectively 63% of the vote here, to be fair. It was a split vote. So Pat White would have had more if Geno was not on this list. But I thought it was fair to put Geno in because he was a tremendous quarterback for WVU. I think a lot of people forget how good he really was. And, of course, there's Byron Leftwich. And you know how fans are. You're a fan. Obviously, you listen to this show. You're a fan. You love debating sports. Some people debated a little more than others, and that's fine. It makes it fun, as long as it's fun here. So I'm going to tell you right now, I appreciate all the love on social media, at least from the WVU fans, checking in and making sure their voice was heard. And you still have time. we got 50 minutes left. Could 
Byron Leftwich all of a sudden make a comeback? I don't know. It's looking pretty much like it's Fat White's poll right now. But the way ESPN ranked it is the way this poll is actually flowing. Pat White, 27th, number 27 out of the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. Byron Leftwich in the middle at 44, and Geno Smith at number 70. So ESPN says that Leftwich was better than Geno, but Pat White was better than Byron. So if you want to interact on this, and you don't have Twitter, that's fine. You can hit me up on the text line, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. You can text in and make your case. You don't have to necessarily, honestly, you don't necessarily have to be on Twitter to be a part of this one. But as far as the Twitter poll is concerned, Byron's coming in number two. And according to these rankings from ESPN, that's about right when it comes to these three. And I picked these three. You had the two quarterbacks from West Virginia, and you had Byron Leftwich. These were the three I decided to go with because, again, of the most local interest, and I thought it would be fun. And it's been fun to watch on Twitter so far. And for the most part, uh, most of your responses have been kind of funny. Actually, it's been funny. I, I do appreciate that. If you're going to troll be funny about it, at least. Be be funny. Let's, let's all get along. So you can find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. And while you're there, if you wouldn't mind, I would appreciate you giving me a follow as well. And we'll have something up like this in the future. And, of course, you'll find out what's happening with the show. You'll get updates, what's happening with Marshall, for the most part, on the Twitter feed as well. So when we continue, we're going to get into what's happening with the NFL. There's been a rule change. The touchback rule has been enhanced to promote player safety. So we'll get into that with you a little bit. Also, we'll run down what's happening tonight. We've got a full slate of games in the Major League Baseball schedule. We also have NBA and NHL to talk about. Yesterday was a fun day. I was watching. I was watching the games. I started out with hockey. Got a chance to sit down and watch hockey. I wanted to go there first. It was just a, a better game, I thought. Again, a little biased. Also, I was following along on updates. Like, hey, LeBron James is, is really pouring it on here. So I went ahead finished the hockey game. I was thinking, okay, this thing's going to go into quadruple overtime again or something. I, I don't know. But Florida won against Carolina one nothing. Panthers lead that series three games to none. And so now I flip over to watch the Western Conference Finals. Was this going to be the game that the Lakers got eliminated in? And it went till the very end. Denver wins 113-111. to The Nuggets sweep the series four games to none and headed to their first NBA Finals appearance. And I think the cameraman, or at least the producer in the truck, the booth, wherever, spent all about four seconds on Denver celebration, and then we just have this long, long camera shot trailing LeBron, following LeBron. The story was the Nuggets winning, not LeBron losing. I think the story was the Nuggets winning, and it should have been the highlight of the emphasis. If you want to trail LeBron with your steady cam and follow him, that's fine. You can go back to that. But you know, afterwards, LeBron putting some 
doubt into if he's going to return next year. At least there's going to be a lot of speculation. We're going to be talking about LeBron. LeBron made sure we were going to be talking about LeBron throughout the rest of the NBA season leading up to next year. So LeBron did his job of talking about LeBron. So we'll get into a little bit of that. We'll also update you on what happened across the scoreboard yesterday and as we get into what's coming up tonight. We've got baseball action coming up tonight here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 9.30 as the Pirates get the win over the Rangers and they've got game two of the series tonight at 6.35. We go on the air at 6.10. We'll tell you more about it when we continue. We'll also take a look at what's happening in the NFL and we'll get to the text at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. We'll start out with the text line when we continue on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. As I promised, we'll get to those texts in a moment. 304-396-TALK. 304-396-8255. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. If you're just joining us, we're going over part of the list that ESPN released, the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. And I thought it'd be fun just to focus on the three most relevant to our listening audience, at least anyway, and that would be Byron Leftwich made the list at number 44. Pat White from West Virginia made the list at 27, and Geno Smith making the list at number 70. I thought, okay, let's compare these three a little bit. Which one would you take? If it came down to I need to go win the game, which one am I putting in? I've got all three at my disposal. Which one am I putting in? And right now on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan, you're saying Pat White's your guy. Byron Leftwich is second, and Geno Smith is third. And I've noticed there's a lot of love for Geno Smith, but at the same time, I think more people would take Pat White over Geno Smith. And, of course, I know where the Herd fans are going. Herd fans are going with Byron Leftwich. But you can comment as well. Find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. And... Let us go to the tax line. First up, why is Rakeem Cato not in the top 25? My ch- check that. Top 75. I don't think he's got the I don't think he's got the resume. I mean, this is the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. The the entirety of college football in the 2000s. And while Rakeem Cato was a great quarterback for Marshall, and you can put a champion with that because with Rakeem Cato, you have a conference championship, and Marshall hasn't been able to do that since. I think in Marshall history and lore, Rakeem Cato's up there. And the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s, I don't think Cato makes the list, and I'm definitely not putting him ahead of Byron Leftwich. If you ask me which one would you take today of the Marshall quarterbacks, Byron Leftwich or Rakeem Cato, and I'm going to take Byron Leftwich. And I don't know if I would take Rakeem Cato over Geno Smith either. It's uh, That would be close. Pat White was just a tremendous quarterback. I would be lucky to have three or four of these guys as my quarterback, but I think the rankings are fair. I don't think Rakeem Cato makes the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. From the text line, Paul, WVU football people were probably scared to vote in your poll. Just are 
just as they are scared to play us in Huntington, and that is Rick from Canova. Okay, Rick, do you think WVU is scared to play Marshall in Huntington? Do you really think that that's the case? Do you think you think WVU is scared to play Marshall in Huntington? Because WVU has played Marshall in Huntington, and we saw what the outcome was there. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the point here, but it wasn't good. So I don't think it's a scared issue. I, I don't think that right now the athletic department of West Virginia is saying, "Yeah, man, we don't want to play. We don't want to play them because we're scared to play." I. I, I don't know. I, I really don't think that's the issue. I think there are just issues that divide the two camps, or there were issues that divided the two camps. And you go back a ways. You remember when Dan D'Antoni was talking about the game and those comments didn't sit well with Bob Huggins. And so the basketball series ended. The football series is, I don't think, is going to come back anytime soon. But you do see WVU and Marshall play in other sports. We've seen it happen. There's been cooperation between other coaches where it makes sense for both programs, right? Softball, I would love to see that, but we can't see that right now because WVU's got to get get a softball program. Soccer, it happens. We see it in tennis. We see it in baseball. We've seen it before. So I, I think it's it comes down to... I think the economics, I think there's an economic divide. And if you're a program like WVU and you play in the Big 12 and you are part of what is called the Power Five, do you make those trips to to Marshall? I, I can't speak for why their reasoning is the way it is, and I can't speak to why Marshall's reasoning is the way it is, but honestly... I know the, some of the fans want to see it happen, and a lot of fans don't want to see it happen on both sides. And if you know, it takes two to it takes two to dance. So if you don't have a dance partner there, I, I really wouldn't worry too much about it. But it's fun. I mean, this was a fun. This is a fun fan thing. I mean, really, this was a fun fan thing. You know, you have three tremendous quarterbacks, all from slightly different eras of football. Leftwich was at Marshall from '98 to 2002. Pat White was at West Virginia from 2005 to 2008. Geno Smith was at West Virginia from 2009 to 2012. And all left really significant marks on the football teams and the programs. And I think Pat White probably has a an outstanding resume that probably warrants him in the upper 20s of this list. I think Leftwich belongs on the list, and I think Geno Smith might be a little underrated at 70, to be quite fair with you. But uh, I don't think WVU people were scared to vote in the poll because right now Pat White is running away with this thing. Uh, We have about 30 minutes left to go, and Pat White leads 53%. Leftwich is at 37%, and Geno Smith is at 10%. But you know what? That would be an achievement. I'm going to tell you right now. That would be a crowning achievement of the current athletic departments of both Marshall and West Virginia. Find a way to come together and get the basketball game back on the schedule and then try to find a way to come together and get the football game back on the schedule. That would be a crowning achievement 
if there could be some common ground to get those two games back on the schedule. I don't know if I'm going to see it anytime soon. Text lines 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Checking in now from Crown City is Mark in. Uh, Mark says that Geno was and still is better than Byron. I'd like to see those two play against each other. If all things were being equal, I'd like to see Leftwich and Geno Smith going against each other. That would be a that would be a ticket purchase for me to watch that game. I got to go with my guy Byron though. I got to go with my guy at the end of the day. I got to go with my guy Byron. I have to. You understand, right? You understand. I have to go with Byron. I have to. I just yeah, this isn't one of those debates where it's Chad versus Byron and I have to pick one and I'm really going to tick someone off here. I'm not it's I'm not going to win here any in, in this argument. I'm not going to win with anyone. Somebody's going to be mad at me for picking one over the other. And that's fine. But I'm going to have to go with Byron over Gino. Pat though, man, he was something else. But if you could contain Pat, I don't think Pat's not necessarily going to kill you with his arm. I mean, he would he would be deadly if you gave him time, but Pat's ability to just kill you on the ground was something else. It's a good debate. Three really good quarterbacks. Will we ever know? No, but it's fun to talk about. And, of course, the poll still goes on right now on Twitter, at Paul Swan. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's our text line to be a part of the program. We're going to turn our attention to women's soccer for a few minutes. We've got Marshall women's soccer coach Michael Swan coming on the program, and we'll do that when we continue. We'll get more of your text in, and that's 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. More coming up on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We continue on with this Tuesday, May 23rd edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Let's put the football talk away for just a minute and start talking football, but a different kind of football. Joining us on the program now is Marshall women's soccer coach, Michael Swan, how are you doing? It's been a while. It has, Paul. I've been doing good. We've we've been doing well. Had a good spring and um, been finishing up the the recruitment for the year and um, just had a good a good six months of hard work with the players and then also on the road trying to bring in some new faces for the future. How is that, as far as as you're concerned? How has that gone overall? Um, can you talk about what you have been able to uh, to do to improve the team from the recruiting standpoint? Yeah, we've we had um, we were able to bring in four four incoming freshmen in January um, who've who've hit the ground running, who've done extremely well. Um, we brought in two transfer students in January. Unfortunately, one of them is you know got injured, and you know we're going to miss her for this. But you know, overall, those, those five players have been fantastic. We've got four more freshmen coming in um, in August, who who are going to add a lot of depth and a lot of strength to the squad. And and as we speak, and you know, hopefully tomorrow we'll we'll have some good news or this week on one or two transfer portal um, student athletes that we're trying to get in too. So, you know, we've been working hard the last probably last month on the, on the transfer portal. Uh, the work for the freshman group was done, you know, pr- a year prior, 
um, and we're very happy with them. They they came in and, and really, really hit the ground running and surprised us a lot. So we've got a good balanced squad now. Have you found that the transfer portal has been more of a blessing for you or more of a, a detriment? Everyone is talking about transfer portal every time you talk about college recruiting now. And it gives and it takes. So are you finding that you've found that balance now because everyone's going to always weigh their options and it's your job now to yeah. recruit not only incoming players from, from high school or wherever you know they may be, it's also imperative for you to re-recruit your current team and to go out and recruit the transfer portal. So you know, are you finding more success than more of a, a negative feeling when it comes to dealing with the transfer portal? Um, I think it puts everybody in a standby mode, um, you know, for a student athlete who goes in there, they're looking for something different, um, whether it's playing time, style of play, atmosphere of the school, and they're going out and trying to get re-recruited again. So we're dealing with that when we're trying to recruit kids, and then we're dealing with that with kids that decide to go into the portal. I don't know if it's healthy. Um, you know, as for every sport, um, because you have to, you're taking a second chance. Um, you're taking a second chance on somebody who who it might not have worked out, but at the same time, you you're taking a second chance on somebody who you can see as a potential player for your program. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. For us, it's worked well with players that we brought in. Um, you know, we lost one or two that that we'd love to have back in our squad um, for the future. But they're, they're choosing to to look for something different. Um, it's a new world. It's it's college athletics. It's changing. It's it's changed over the last 24 months with this. And you know, I think we're starting to see you know every sport it's affecting in a in a certain capacity. For women's soccer, it's not it's helping because women's soccer was one of the biggest um, transfer rate sports in college athletics. So I think. I think it might slow down a little bit for us, but I think it might speed up for other sports. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword and, and you know, recruiting such a, a tough thing to do. You've got to find the right balance, the right fit for the student athlete and then do the same thing for your squad. So it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of bravery with with making decisions. Um, and you just hope that you, you get the right balance within your squad. Michael Swan's with us, Marshall Women's Soccer Coach. The schedule is out. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But have you found that... You know, with, I honestly want to say, sure, the season didn't end the way you wanted to. It never does unless you're hoisting the national championship, to be fair. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I really thought that there were strides made with your program. Has that helped you with recruiting and getting to where you need to be next? It has. I mean, with, with recruiting, yes. Um, it has. You know, we've it was a lot of things that were were in place at Marshall and the women's soccer program when I first got there that needed to be changed. Um, one was recruiting. Um, second thing was you know getting the team to believe that they can they've got the potential to go on and win things. Um, you know that was what we did this season. We didn't win things, but we found that identity and the players found that belief that they can compete. You know at a conference level, and we showed that going into the conference tournament. Um, with our run towards the end of the, the season. Um, but for recruiting, yes, it, it's made a massive difference with, you know, people have access to our games 24-7 now that we're in the Sun Belt. You can, you can go back and watch a game from the 
from the fall at any point and we've encouraged our players to do that. We've had some of our committed players watch every game and, and they've loved every minute of it. Um, you know, so it was a lot of maturing, a lot of fixing. Um, same thing with the schedule. We're going to talk about the schedule in a little bit. It was it was not in a good place when I first got to Marshall. Um, and then we had the, the situation with, with COVID. Everything changed again. So you can kind of see the work that we've put into it um, over the last few years. And very, very happy to see the, the, the profits of, you know, all the adversity that we had to face leading into this. Ten-game regular season home schedule. That's a big jump for for this program. And we saw that on the men's side when I talked to Chris Grassi, and we're looking at that with you as now. The the value of having a home match, you, know, you can't really put a value on it. It's That's how important it is to try to have at least some balance there. But you have 10 of them. How important is that? Oh, it's massive. And, and like I said, Paul, when I first got in, it was skewed the other way. Um, I think it was close to 12. 12 games away um, when I first came in and you know we had to we had to repay some of those games these last couple of years so to start off some new um, some new opponents um, if you would like to say that it gives us an opportunity to get some of these teams to come to our place um, we're finishing off a couple of home homes with um, Gardner Webb um, we, we just did something with High Point where we're going to go down to them a year from now and they're going to come to us this next year. Um, you know, the local opponents, Moorhead and Ohio, we're always going to have them on our schedule. So that, that flips all the time. But, you know, people want to come to Huntington now. You know, they know we've got a facility that's top class. They, they know that we've got a great fan base. You know, people talk about that in our league. Um, we're number one with our attendance in, in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, we top that league and people enjoy coming to play here. Um, and we've, we've done a... You know, Marshall's done a great job with their fans. We've done a great job engaging the fans and getting people out to games. If you come to our games, you'll see a lot of kids there, a lot of families. Um, we've switched a, a, a game time from 7 o'clock to 6 p.m. on a weekday. So it's, we're, we're trying to drum up more interest in the sport with women's soccer. Um, but all in all, people love coming to the games, and, and we enjoy it. My guest, Michael Swan, head coach of the Marshall women's soccer team, Let's talk a little bit more about your non-conference portion before we get into conference play. From talking yeah. to you, I know one of the goals was to have more of a home presence, and you've done that and partially with the conference schedule and then partially with your, your non-conference side. But what were you trying to achieve with your non-conference schedule outside of just maybe trying to get some more of a home presence? You know, Were you looking for the very best you could you could go up against were you looking for you know, regional opponents because you seem to have a mix there so yeah yeah we want to so what we want to do obviously that the, we've got 17 games on our on our regular season and we've got three preseason games one of the big things that we wanted to do and one of the big things that we saw and I've always seen this in non-conference players we can get into this routine of a, a two game week and do that up until we start conference play and what you're ultimately doing is you just you just throwing games in to kill time or getting as many games in as you can before you hit conference play. The science behind it doesn't prove that. You know, you it's it's very difficult to to play two games in a week um, for four weeks. You're, you're going to have breakdowns. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have fatigue. So we eliminated the game and put a game in the preseason where we can control the atmosphere of the game. 
45 minute half or 30 minute uh, periods that we can do and we can treat them more like a training exercise than what we can with a game so you know that's that's kind of the balance that we threw in there with with our non-conference segment knowing that we've got 10 conference games coming up on the on the back half of our season um, so that was one of the big goals that we wanted to do is manage our bodies. Um, you know, we wanted to manage the travel at the same time um, because we play in the Sun Belt and we go to a lot of a lot of places. Um, so managing travel, managing class times was was a key to this. Um, and then finding opponents that we feel um, you know challenge us, but at the same time we 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 feel good going up against those opponents. You know, we we see the big guarantee games that come our way. And you know they really don't materialise the way you, you you set out it to be um, with with what the guarantee could be. So we had some of those opportunities come our way, and you know it wasn't worth it. You know for us it was it was worth us playing teams that are in the top hundred RPI and and getting them at our place. And we've we've done that with with Liberty, and we've done that with some of the teams in in the, in the Sun Belt, um, and then going on the road against good opponents who are in the top. You know, hundred, hundred and twenty-five, and and their teams that we feel we can we can beat. Michael Swanth with us, head coach of the Marshall women's soccer team. The schedule is out. The non-conference schedule with a, a lot of teams that are making that regional feel really come to fruition. With Ohio, you mentioned you know, Indiana State. You have Miami of Ohio. Liberty's going to be a big game. Then you get into the conference side. How would you evaluate where this league is now from where you thought it was the beginning of last season? Yeah, I think it's gotten stronger, um, to be honest with you. When we when we came in, you know, we're looking at records, RPIs, different different coaches that are in play. And, and I think what we've done when, when we've came to the conference, Old Dominion have came to the conference, um, Southern Miss have came to the conference, and JMU have came to the conference, it changed the landscape of what the Sun Belt was. Um, so you know we're now playing teams that that have had a lot of success in their respective conferences. Granted, we haven't had recent success, but you know in 2015 we we did, um, and we're making strides to get back to that point now. So the addition of our four teams um, that came into the league, I think it's just raised the standard so much, so much more. You know your traditional teams that were in the Sun Belt, like South Alabama, um, who traditionally won it. Um, you know they they made it the semi final this year. You know, and a new team won it against a, a team who was um, right there with them in JMU. So, you know, the the league standard has has raised quite a bit. And I think with this conference realignment, with us moving into the Sun Belt, we've put ourselves in a position of strength to go and take. You know, be in a league that's going to be successful. Not just one winner; it could be multiple winners over a period of a time, which. With, when you look at the Sun Belt, it wasn't like that. It was just one winner for, for the past five or six years. My guest, Marshall women's soccer coach Michael Swan. So when we look at this conference schedule, you want them all to be big games for the fans, but have we decided on a, a, a team that we just don't like yet? Have we have we picked our, <laughs> our rival, or are we just hating them all? Where are we going here? Well, um, I've, I've coached against uh, a lot of the guys in our conference for, for a long period of time, so we've got our own little banter going in the background. Um, you know, I think one of the, the teams that, that that we've had, you know, success against, and, and, and it might be so, more so them against us, is App State. You know, we, we beat them twice last year, and, and they're not too far down the road. We've got the 
the football tradition, obviously. Um, James Madison, love playing against James Madison. Um, you know, I think the, the, they've got a good team. They play a good brand of soccer. It matches up well against us. The, 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 they're at the top of the league or at the top of the stands last year. We want to be there. You know, we want to beat them. So, you know, that's those two teams are the ones that stand out for me the most. Um, is you know we had a great result against James Madison last year that we'd really kickstarted what we were doing and we had two great results against App State and you know we want to we want to keep that tradition of winning going against two teams that I feel in time are going to be martial um, rivalries you know not just in women's soccer but I think in other sports too. Michael Swan's with us, Marshall's women's soccer coach. Before I let you go. Let's get into some of the things that are, are happening. I, I briefly talked about some of these items with Chris Grassy yesterday, but the beauty of Marshall soccer, both men's and women's soccer, is what benefits your program benefits the men, and what benefits the men program benefits you. It's it's the best of both worlds. So yeah. know, when you get something that enhances your program, it automatically will enhance the men's program. So what are you most excited about as we – as we look toward what's happening with facilities, with trying to continue to build upon what you have and to enhance Marshall soccer further. Yeah, well, one of the one of the great things that that we've got with the men's soccer program, and it's it's really probably more personal than than than, than people know, is you know my relationship with Chris and his staff and and my staff and their staff is is awesome. You know, we we work with each other, we we talk with each other daily. Um, there's not many places in in the country where you've got a men's and women's program that are that close. You know, we've we've got our amazing camps coming up in a in a week's you know week and a half's time, and we've been talking quite a bit about how we're going to manage two locations with all our players, and it's going to take a massive effort for all of us to do that. You know, so we encourage all the all the families who support us to come out, come to camp. The players will be involved. You know, from both both programs, um, the coaches will be involved from both programs, and. It turns out to be a great event every single year. Um, so you know we want more people to be there, more kids to get on our facilities, and and that will put more people interested in the game. And Marshall just becomes more of a soccer school when we do that, you know. And when we do that, it just creates more of a buzz. And then you start seeing different things pop up about facilities, and you know what's the soccer program's going to look like in a few years' time with with possible practice fields and. Um, scoreboards and you know lots of lots of different enhancements that we're all working on together. Um, you know, Chris has got the opportunity to take his team to Brazil this year. We want to do the same, um, and I think other sports <clears throat> want to do the same thing as well. So, you know, we all work with each other, and we all really, you know, you don't get jealous over one program. You just want us all to experience what what, what we each can do as a program, and that just drums up more interest in the community and it drums up more excitement within the student body. Just remember when those conversations happen, if they haven't already about the video board, point to the one that's going to be put in at the football stadium and go, we want we want big too. Just remember <laughs> that. We just say it has to be bigger. When you're in those meetings, yeah. just look at look at the administration <laughs> and go, it has to be bigger. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I Years ago, we went to a one at um, we we played down at Duke, and we walked onto the onto the field, and you could see the size of this thing. From what I've been told, that was just twice the size of that. So, we're looking forward to that. Okay, okay. So <laughs> you heard it here first. It's going to be twice the size of Duke's scoreboard. Yeah. Okay, I can work with that. 
Uh, if you get any phone calls, if you get any phone calls from the administration, I'm sorry. I was going to say that <laughs> up front. I'm sorry. Honestly, we haven't talked about the size of it. We just know that you know the work put in to get those scoreboards um, has been done, and they've done an amazing job with it. When they get there, it's only going to enhance everything in our facility. You know, it really is the the work being done at the football stadium is going to influence what happens down at other facilities too. And you know, that's brilliant. You know, that's all we can ever ask for is you know top class facilities. And that, again, that's why people want to come and support Marshall. We're creating a different environment, a better environment for fans and student athletes. My guest, Marshall women's soccer coach Michael Swan. Thanks for doing this. It's been a while since we've done it, and I can't wait to get you back on again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic, Paul. Anytime you want on, let me know. Thanks, buddy. Take care. That's Michael Swan, the best last name of any Marshall coach currently and probably all time, Michael Swan. More coming up. I'm your host, Paul Swan, and this is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It's our final segment of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Got a couple minutes left on our Twitter poll from yesterday. Talking about ESPN's top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. Which one of these three would you take to win the game? You obviously know the theme here. It's Marshall and WVU guys. Pat White leads the way with 54%. Byron Leftwich at 37%. Geno Smith at 9%. But a lot of people are messaging me saying, hey, you know what? I, I love Geno Smith. And they had to take Pat White, though. They love Geno, but they'll take Pat in the game. Texter writes in from Hillsboro saying, it's a great job, fun show. I would have voted for Pat, but... I'm not on social media. Also from the text line from Proctorville, this is Garrett. Garrett said that, how is Pat White not in the top 10 on that list? He won the Fiesta, Gator, Sugar, and beat UNC in the, in the Charlotte Bowl. Plus, he's the only player ever to win four bowls in a row. Getting a little love from WVU fans listening in today. I appreciate that. All are welcome here. 304-396-TALK. 304-396-8255. That's our text line to be a part of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Baseball action coming up tonight. We have got the Pirates in action. Game two of the series. Pirates are taking on Texas. Got the win yesterday. And we'll go back on the air with them at 6:10. So that's coming up here shortly on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. NBA playoffs yesterday: Denver beating LA 113 to 111, and uh, Eastern Finals tonight: Boston at Miami. Heat take a 3-0 lead in that series. Could finish it up tonight. Yesterday in the Stanley Cup, Florida beat. Carolina 1-0. Panthers lead that series 3-0. And then the Western Conference Finals coming up. Game 3. Dallas will take on Las Vegas 8 p.m. Golden Knights are up two games to none in that series. So that's a look at what's happening across the board. And don't forget Pirates baseball coming up tonight here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Should be a fun one tonight. I think we got a good chance of I think the the Celtics I think the Celtics have a better shot of not getting swept than the Lakers did 
I think Boston's got a better shot. We'll find out. That's coming up tonight. And you can listen to that on our sister station, Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. And I think Dallas bounces back tonight against Las Vegas on the Stanley Cup side. We'll find out tomorrow together. That's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank my guest, Marshall Soccer Coach on the women's side, Michael Swan. I appreciate him. And I appreciate everyone tuning in today and joining me on the text line and social media. It was a good poll. We'll come up with another one tomorrow. And the final results, Pat White is your quarterback. If you had to pick between Pat White, Byron Leftwich, and Geno Smith of the three quarterbacks from the 2000s that made ESPN's top 75 list, which one would you take? Pat White wins with 54% of respondents. Byron Leftwich with 37%. And Geno Smith with 9%. But a lot of you have told me you love Geno Smith. So if this was which one do you love the best, Geno might get a little bit more love from you. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. WRBC Huntington, W227ES Huntington. This is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.